Welcome to the Living the Dream podcast with Curveball. If you believe, you can achieve. Hello and welcome to another episode of Living the Dream with Curveball. I'm your host, Curveball, and today I am joined by Michelle Quay. She was born in Taiwan, grew up in New York, so we're going to be talking to her about that. She is also a public speaker, a mindset coach, as well as an author and a podcaster. So we're going to be delving into her life and talking about how she got from Taiwan to the United States. Michelle, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. Wow, I, as you're reading through my bio, I, I didn't realize how many places and how many things I've done. <laughs> yeah, you've got a lot of things going on. So let's just start about by talking about how you came from Taiwan to New York and just anything else you want the audience to know before we kick it off. Yeah, thank you so much for the opportunity. So I I was born in Taiwan and I lived in Taiwan for the first 15 years of my life. Um, my parents decided that you know Taiwan's education system is really too saturated and too packed for anybody to have this opportunity or equal opportunity to exceed in the area that they deserve. And for me in particularly, um, going back in my, in my earlier age, I had a car accident when I was 11 years old and that led to a permanent disa- disability. So I'm permanently disabled, I walk with crutches and ever since my car accident, my parents started to worry about where my future would be. And I believe in any, any parent's dream, anyone, um, they want their children to be well, to be healthy, to be having a better future than they did. And that was what my parents wanted for me. They wanted to make sure that I have the equal opportunity compared to all the peers, compared to any kids who are at the, at the same age. But what they saw at the time was also my disability. What they saw was my inability to compete with others in, in reaching up to that, to that status of someone who's capable, someone who is meeting the social expectation, someone who actually had the knowledge to be able to sustain themselves through the, the, whatever the job that they, they end up having. So my parents had that in mind. And at the time, my grandparents was already here in the United States. They were living in New York back then. Um, so my grandmother was already in the process of applying for the citizenship for my mom so that she can legally uh, be uh, immigrating here in the United States. So along that the paperwork came out right around the time that I was discharged from the, from the re- rehab uh, center, I was uh, uh, going through my physical therapy when I was in Taiwan. So it happened around the same time. And when I was 15, my parents got the permission to come to America and that's what we did. So the first place that we went to was New York. 
So my heart really uh, belongs to New York. And sometimes I still catch myself having a little bit of New York accent and I still have my New Yorker personality in me. Um, I'm more like a type A personal personality type of person. You know, we're, we're down to the point, straight to boom, 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 we're done. Okay, end of the day, <laughs> wrap it up, right? So I still have that type A personality uh, no matter where I go. And, and that's just how I really cultivated and embodied um, even when I came to America. So when I came to America, that, that spirit of wanting to be someone who's bigger than my size, you know, my height, it was, it was there the whole entire time. I always wanted to be someone who's bigger, who's capable of doing things. I imagine myself doing a lot of things that other people can do. But when I look into the mirror, that's not the case. Um, so just to give the listener a little visual, I am four feet, four inches tall. Right now, uh, Curtis and I are on the, on the video, but if I were to stand up in front of the camera right now, I am the same height as I am sitting down. So as I walk you know, on the street, a lot of people would turn, they would look at me, and as a New Yorker, we're very blunt. So initially, there's a lot of looking at me, and when people are looking at me, I really felt that they were looking at me, judging the way my height, the way I walk, with the way that I carry my two crutches, um, with a metal brace on my leg, it, I was just really completely look uh, abnormal to a lot of people. And maybe they won't use the word abnormal, but it will certainly catch their attention to wanted to know what is what this woman or this girl is about. And many times the look, it's very judgmental the look is very, um, it's a reminder to myself that I am different, that I am, I look different, I speak differently. Um, and I remember when I first came to the, to the United States, I didn't speak English at all. So just learning the language from the very beginning, it was very troublesome. Um, I didn't have a lot of vocabulary. So in order for me to actually speak, I have to translate my into my native language, which is Mandarin or Chinese. And I have to translate that back into English. And when I say it out loud, it almost felt like there's a disconnection between what I am trying to say, the message I want to deliver versus you know, what is really meaningful. And so there's a huge disconnection. And going through that and going through teenage year, it was just a struggle, period. I, I was just finding myself looking for my own self-identity for a really long period of time. I didn't know who I was, or I thought I knew who I was, but it turns out that I didn't know anything about myself at all. And that continued to happen from 11 all the way till when I was 40. And I, I just turned 47 this year. Um, and for a really long period of time, a good 30 years of my life, I was struggling with my self-identity. Who am I in this world? Why am I here? What is my purpose? Who do I serve? And if this is the body that God had given me, what, what is the purpose here? What's the point here? And I was just struggling with that idea of... I don't believe that I have a purpose in this, in this world. And when you don't believe that you have a purpose in this world, you go through a lot of depression. You do a lot of stupid things. 
um, things like getting a tattoo. <laughs> I think that's um, that's one of the at least to my parents and my sister who had a big reaction when I got my tattoo. She the first thing that she said to me, "Are you stupid? <laughs> and you are not allowed to come to my wedding anymore." Uh, so that was uh, something I did completely just because I was looking for my self-identity. Um, it was to the point where I wanted to prove to everybody that, you know, just like you, I can do a lot of things. And I wanted to prove to myself that I am capable of doing things. So during that period of time, I, I did something really like outrageous um, to a lot of people. So it's the beginning of the year, right? So 2021, I'm sure a lot of people are sitting at home and you have a bucket list of things that you wanted to do, you wanted to achieve, the places that you want to go. We all have that checklist of things that we want to accomplish in our life, the places, the destination that we want to reach to. So I have one of those. And it was right around when I was 40, I was struggling with that very uh, rock bottom of my emotional struggles. I, I would wake up in the middle of the night and I would just cry for no reason at all. And so I remember just waking up and, and I thought about what is it that I want um, at least try out. I want to be able to participate in people's conversation. I want to feel part of, I belong to a community or to something. So I decided that um, I'm going to challenge myself by hiking. And the way that I wanted to hike, it wasn't just like a regular hike. It was, you know, I'm going to book myself a ticket. I'm going to fly to Peru, Machu Picchu, and I'm going to hike through the 26 miles of Machu Picchu Inca Trail. And that was something like really just came out of nowhere. And just simply because I have this idea of, I want to belong into a conversation. I want to be able to, um, you know, really participate with my friends. Like when they're talking about, um, when they're talking about being able to hike or to going to a gym, I want to be part of that conversation. And I think one of the things that I really learned from my Machu Picchu trip is that connection is really big. It's huge in everyone's life. It's with a connection to um, someone else or the connection that we have without ourselves. So with the connection is really the foundation of all the relationship that we build in the society, in a community, and also within ourselves. And I want to have that sense of connection. So I decided to hike through that 26 miles of Inca Trail and on that trail, I learned a number of things. There are three things I learned um, on that trail. The first thing is that, you know, you don't really have to speak the language. And a lot of time when you can show up being authentic, being genuine, um, really caring for people and really trying to sympathize and empathize with people then you connect with them immediately. So you don't need to speak the language in order to understand someone who came from a different background, different culture, different, different environment that they grew up. You don't need that. You just need to show up being authentic and being genuine. And the second thing I've learned on that trip is that you, you can, you know, just torn, torn away your bucket list. You don't need a bucket list. You don't need a to-do list until you actually can stand up and start checking them off. Then the, the bucket list is pointless. 
So you don't need a bucket list, but instead I was given a bucket to do all my business during that four day trail. So that four day trail, we really roughed it out. Uh, there's no shower whatsoever. I felt, you know, the first thing I wanted to do when I came out from, came back from that uh, trip was I wanted to get a hot shower. Um, so that was the second thing that I learned that you don't need a bucket list to do. What you need is actually get up and start doing it. So get rid of your bucket list, start doing your, your list. The third thing that I, I've learned is vulnerability is your superpower. So being able to ask for help when needed, being able to actually share my, my struggle is important. Being able to actually allow myself to admit that, you know what? I am not perfect. I am different. And there's a reason for my imperfection because my imperfection, it makes me beautiful. It makes me perfect for just the way I am. So imperfection is actually perfect. It makes you special. And sometimes, you know, being special, it's not that bad. Being special means that you are taking ownership of who you are and you stood up to, to believe, to embody who you are. So, so just a couple of questions here. Yeah. I would just want to say you are now the officially, officially the shortest person that I know. I knew somebody that was four nine but you're four, four. Mm -hmm. but, but what I wanted to ask is the wreck that you had, it wasn't you in a car and getting hit in another car. It was a hit and run, correct? It was a hit and run. Yes. And so the question I have is, do you think that you would have fared better and your circumstances would have been better if you would have been in America getting care? Or do you think you got the best care no matter where you were? And the situation is just what it is right now. I, I believe that everything happened for a reason and, and the universe is synchronized. There's no circumstances. The, the circumstances is what make, we make them to be. So it's an event. And how we want to respond to that event is entirely up to us. So I never really thought about if I can go back, would I change anything about it? And, you know, honestly, the this, this, this same question actually someone else had asked me before, would you have to go back and, and change anything if you could? And the answer is no, I would not change any single bit about it. So I would, I would not change the fact that the accident had happened in, in Taiwan. I would not have changed any, anything about the aftercares, whether it's in America, whether it's in Taiwan. I don't think that makes any difference to me because without that incident, without that event, I would not be able to become the person I am today. Well, what was life like growing up in Taiwan and then making the transition here to America? How difficult was it transitioning from living in Taiwan to coming here? It was very difficult. Um, so I have a brother who um, was 16 at the time. So in Taiwan, there's this rule that once a, a, a man grow up, a boy got to the 16 years old, then you can't travel anywhere else. So my brother was pretty much uh, stay behind in Taiwan. And my sister, my mom, 
myself and my dad, we were the only person uh, coming to America. And during that time, my dad had to go back to Taiwan to take care of my brother because he was only 16. He wasn't really an adult. So he went back to Taiwan to take care of my brother. So it was just left with myself, my sister, and my mom. And back in New York, we live in one of those uh, tiny apartments that my uncle and aunt had owned, and they were traveling. So we were able to have rent a room. Um, they spare us a room, and that room is tiny. It's about, I would say, about um, six to 700 square feet. And basically, you fit a bed, and then you can horizontally, perpendicularly um, fit another one. And we are jam-packed, the three of us were jam-packed in that particular room. And I remember New York, it's not a, it's not a, a good neighborhood. It's not a safe neighborhood that I can just go out at, at night and not, not feeling that, you know, there's, there's chance of crimes and things happening. And I remember I wake up in the middle of the night and I would start crying and I look on the wall and there's roaches crawling around everywhere. And I was laying in bed and I was crying because I didn't ask for any of this. I didn't want to come to America. I was happy in Taiwan. I didn't need any of this, but yet my parents felt that it was, it was important for us to come to America. Because in America, you know, that American dream that everyone, a lot of immigrants has, my parents had that. My parents believe that I have better opportunity here. But when I woke up in the, in the middle of the night, looking on the wall, there's roaches crawling everywhere. And they're tiny little roaches. I will never forget those moments where I'm just sleeping there and I'm crying. And there are moments where I go to KFC. You know, in Taiwan, we didn't have a lot of uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken, you know, and they were so expensive in Taiwan. So I remember one night I was walking my sister to pick up my mom and we would walk um, blocks away. Uh, we didn't have a car back then. So a lot of traveling is done through public transportation. So my sister and I, we will walk together um, 10, 10, 15 blocks to pick up my mom. She was working at a barber shop um, that my uncle and aunt had owned. And we would pick her up, walk, walk together, going back home. And on our way back home, we would pass this KFC place. And I was 15 at the time. My sister was 11 at the time. And we wanted to eat some KFC. We wanted to go in and order some KFC. Walked in the first time, looking at the menu, and we were just staring at the menu. We didn't know what to do. Back then it wasn't order by number. Now there's like order by number. You can just pick a number, one, two, three, four, that's easy. Back then it was not, the menu was not in, in number. It was all listed, drumstick, chicken breast, and, and the coleslaw, uh, biscuit, all these different items, different combination and different, different um, uh, amount of money and how you wanna buy it, how you wanna change it. We were lost. I remember walking out that day, we got two Coke, we got a three piece, three piece set combo. We didn't have coleslaw because we didn't know what it was. We had little tiny biscuit and that was what we ordered for three, for three people. 
we went back to our little apartment. My mom had to prepare something else for us because it was not enough to feed us. Wow. So besides hiking that trail in Peru, let's talk about some of the other great accomplishments that you have got into in your life. I mean, you, you've written books, you're part of the National Speaking Association, you're dealing with meditation. So let's talk about some of the other accomplishments that you've been able to accomplish in your life. So, so I wrote the book. The, the book, uh, it's titled Perfectly Normal and Immigrant Stories of Making It in America. And, and I call it Perfectly Normal because, it, and it's a memoir. So it's basically a, a summary of what my life was up until when I got to coaching um, program. And so I basically summarized my childhood all the way to my uh, right before my coaching coaching starts. And I remember I wrote the book in just four months. The way I wrote the book, it was setting up, opening up my calendar. And I remember putting a date that I want to publish this book. And it was August 19, 2019. That was the day I wrote on my calendar. And I worked backwards. So in order to accomplish something, first you have to define a a destination. Where do you want to go to? Um, August 19, 2019. That's where I want to go to. And then I work backward to plot out exactly when I need to get the book cover, when I need to submit my draft, when I need to get it edited. And so counting back, I spent four months working on that book. And what it really looked like, right right now I can talk about it in just two minutes, right? But what it really looked like was every day I would come home after my uh, my pharmacist's job, I would come home, open up my laptop, and I would start writing. And there are days where I don't have any words to put out because I'm just so emotionally caught up with the memories that I have to go through it again. And I was working with a, with a coach before when I was writing this book. And I remember I was talking to the coach. I said, listen, you know, I'm having a lot of trouble writing, writing anything down this week because um, the moment I open up my laptop, I'm crying. What do I do? <laughs> so there was a lot. It was not easy as, you know, two minutes. Yeah, I wrote the book and that was it. It was a lot of struggle just going to write down chapters to chapters and pages to pages. And I keep counting how many pages I've written today and how many pages I need to write tomorrow. And it was just a continuous process. So that book came out on uh, August 19, 2019. So it's been a couple of years since I published that book. Well, tell everybody about your podcast. I know you got a podcast. Let's talk about what listeners can expect they check out your podcast. Yeah. So my podcast is really a continuation to the book. So the book kind of just stopped right after I got my coaching certificate. And after the book was published, I felt like there's a lot of things that's happening in our life. You know, our life is not static. Our life is a continuation. It's a flow. So I wanted to share more insights and information about what is it like to live in my space and and what are some of the tips and strategies that people can actually use um because one of the things that i focus on the book is really just sharing my my personal story but that let's face it 
everyone, every single one of us is going through something right now, whether it's emotional, mental, physical, anything that you can think of, we're all going through something. And I, I'm coming off with the podcast because I want to be of a service to people so that I want to share all the things that I have learned on my journey. And hopefully by listening in, you will be able to pick up some tips and some ideas, some perspectives that perhaps you resonate with it that really well and it may change how you are seeing your life. And maybe it's total trash. It, it doesn't resonate at all. That's okay because my purpose, after coming down from the mountain, my purpose is really to inspire just one person in the audience. If one person, if I can touch the heart of one person, I have accomplished things. Well, let's talk about, you also help people achieve goals. So let's talk about your goal getter book. Oh yeah. Not go getter, but goal, <laughs> G-O-A-L getter. So let's talk about that. So I put out, I, I kept thinking about, um, you know, because during the pandemic, you know, every one of us, our goal kind of just put a, put down to a stop, right? So a lot of whatever dream that we had and suddenly got interrupted. So when 2021 came, like two months before, it, you know, we turned to new year, I was still sitting here and I just had this great inspiration about, well, you know, let's talk about setting up goals because goals are really important. It's a mile markers. And how we get there is the method of how we get there, right? But at least if you have the goal straightening out, putting down on a piece of paper, then there's more chance of how you're going to find your self-motivation to get you going every single day. So the idea is to have a workbook put together and I spe specifically spelled out of the SMART goal. So what is the SMART goal? SMART goal, um, those of those listening who are in the corporate or company world or a project manager, you this may be a term that you're really familiar with. So SMART goal basically stands for specific, measure, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time. So time sensitive, time bound. So anytime we set up our goals in our life, what you want to do is you want to make sure that your goal is specific. You know, some, some of us will say, well, I want to make money. Okay, great. What about making money? What can money bring you? Money bring me satisfaction. Money bring me security. Money makes me feel good. Okay, so you don't want money. You, what you want is satisfaction, security, feel happy. That is what you want. So your goal is to achieve satisfaction, security, and happiness. So a lot of us are not really specific in terms of the stuff that we want. And we keep thinking, we keep chasing something else very different. And we believe that that is our goal. So specific, very specific about your goal. M stands for measurable. Is your, is your goal measurable? So you said you want to make money. Money can bring you satisfaction. Money can bring you security. How do we measure it? Um, do you need to see a number in your bank in order to feel that you are safe, that you are secure? Do you need to see some kind of uh, proof that you money is coming to you? What do you need to see? How do we measure that you have achieved it? How do you measure your happiness? So those are the things that pertains to measure. 
uh, achievable. A lot of people set up unrealistic goals. You know, I want to make $10 million, but here we are, you know, you, you may not even have like maybe $10 in your, in your pocket. How do you, how do you get to 10 million unless you go out and buy a lottery ticket, right? So most of us, you know, we have these goals and we make it really unrealistic to achieve. Now, what happens when things are unrealistic to achieve? What you end up doing is you're actually breaking and dropping your self-motivation, your motivation, so that by tomorrow you wake up, you know, I feel so tired, I feel so drained, I don't want to do it anymore. So you drop your goal, you stop dropping whatever you have on your bucket list. R stands for relevant. How relevant is it for you right now to make money? Maybe you got utility bills to pay. That's very relevant. Maybe you like to save for a trip going on to a cruise. That's relevant, but is it something that you need to prioritize it? Maybe not. It's something that's nice to have. So what is your must-have? What is your nice to have? And is it relevant right now in your life? And then the last one is the T, which is the time. When do you want to achieve it? So my book, I wrote it in four months. I had a specific time that I put down on my calendar. This is the day I want to publish. So anytime you set up your goal, you need to put that on your calendar and say, this is the day I want to achieve it. That's the day I want to accomplish it. So the Goal Getter book basically walks you through this uh, specific, measurable, uh, achievable, relevant, and time. And the work will also include a... Um, a worksheet that talk about the, the self-talk. So as we're going through reaching our goals, chances are there are days where your negative self-talk is going to kick in. And that is going to drop your motivation in continuing achieving your goal. So I had a worksheet included in there to really help you to reframe how you're speaking to yourself when an idea comes on about reaching the goal. What are you saying to yourself? How would you say it differently? And then the, there's also a, a worksheet that talk about the uh, tra habit tracking. So once you set up your goal, once you know you have becoming aware of your negative self-talk, the next step would be tracking it so that you know it's on a piece of paper and you're holding yourself accountable. And as a coach, that's something that I work specifically is holding client accountable for all the things that they say they're going to do. So let's say we're working one-on-one, -on -one, right? So uh, this person told me that, oh, I gotta, I'm, I'm gonna make $1,000 by next week. Okay, you come into my session and you didn't make that mark. What happened, right? So we're going to explore the idea of why something didn't happen when you say you want it to happen. So there's a lot of underlying mindset and perspective that we can work through when how to get, get things to where you need to go. So the tracking sheet is really there for accountability. So you have to start holding yourself accountable for all the things that you said you want to do. So that's the Go-Getter workbook. And it's free for download. It's on my, on my website at elevatelifecoaching.org slash download, and people can download a copy of it. Absolutely. Speaking of books, let's talk about the ebook that you wrote called Little Miss Musical. Let's talk a little bit about that book and it, explain how people can get that and what that's all about. Yeah. <laughs> So I have this um, uh, hobby of drawing, sketchings, and, and during, um, when I was going through my journey, I kept putting my emotions on paper. And the little Miss Sunshine, Miss Little Sunshine, is really a 
little miss little musical <laughs> i call it a little musical because i at that time i was really listening to music i love music and every time i feel sad or when i feel um happy the best way to describe my emotions and feelings is through music so many times when i'm feeling sad i don't listen to happy music i actually listen to sad music uh very depressing music um and a lot of blues blue i love the blues billy holidays oh my gosh i i love her so i have one of those out uh, record in 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 my house that i sometimes i put it on and i would just listen to the blues and the reason why i listen to sad song is because it allows me it, it create the space for me to cry and i think that having that outlet of crying was so healing it was so emotionally healing that i really enjoy by just when i'm sad i'm going to listen to sad music when i'm happy i'm going to relate to happy music and same thing with my drawings so during those sad moments i would draw i would take out a piece of paper and my markers i would just draw pictures and and these are inspirational pictures so so some of them actually have quotes next to it it has um uh, inspirational phrases or saying and little stories behind it and i remember i dedicated this this little sketchbook to a good friend of mine because um he was the reason why i started to explore life coaching um he and i had a conversation one day and he was telling me about his um nephew who was suffering from uh, schizophrenia and he said you know he saw the therapist and the therapist has already worked through some of their past um uh experience past trauma now he's thinking about hiring a life coach to work to to help them to get back on on track to get into the everyday life and so i heard that term and i i was thinking hmm life coach what i wonder what that is about so i came home i do a google search and then i realized that you know this this is something that i was doing all along i i'm really good listener i talk to people and i inspire them and usually after they see me you know hearing from my story they usually end up you know getting up and wanting to do something for themselves so this is something that i've been doing so why not make it make it bigger and and being able to help more people and so i was really inspired by what he said and at that time i dedicated the little book the miss little musical to him because he was really big into music he was going to be a music producer and i said oh music and me you know cuz music actually brought a lot of good memories for me it was healing journey music is always there it's always present in my life why not describe it in a music form So I put together all my little sketches and drawing inspirational quotes inside the book. So the book is actually an electronic file. So people can go to my website. It's um elevatelifecoaching.org/order-book and it's on the same website and um people can just download it on the on the website itself. Um it's electronic copy so people can use it um with their Kindles or their uh book if they have an iphone or any um it's a pdf file so yeah well i know that you like to travel so i want you to talk about the time recently when you went to Cam cambodia 
and you volunteered as an English teacher. What was that like and what was the experience like being over in Cambodia? Yeah, so I went to Cambodia the year right after my Machu Picchu trip. And I love traveling because traveling gave me opportunity to meet different people, to explore different culture, to really see the world through a different eye than if I were to just sitting here and feeling sorry about myself. So being able to travel the world means a lot to me. And so I went to Cambodia the second, the second, uh, the following year when I came back from Machu Picchu and it was a volunteer trip. And it was, it, it, the reason why I chose Cambodia was because um, I've always been wanting to travel to places where they have the seven, seven wonders of the world. So I've already done two um, before I got to Cambodia. I've done the Great Wall of China. I've done Machu Picchu. And Cambodia has Angkor Wat. And Angkor Wat is a place that I wanted to be. But I didn't want it to just be about pleasure. I don't want to just be a pleasure trip. I actually want to be um, be of a service to people. And how do I serve? I want to serve those individuals. So I have this dream about building a school in the Middle East to benefit the children who are in the refugee camp. Because when we look around in the world, there's a lot of conflict. There's a lot of crime. There's a lot of injustice that's happening in our society, in the whole entire world. And the children are the ones who are being sacrificed behind all these this conflicts that adults are having. So because of the conflict, they are not able to have the same education as all these other, other people. Like you and I, we had our opportunity to get education. And knowledge is power. But when you have conflict in or war zone, these refugee children have no access to school. They have no access to equal health care. They have no access to anything. And to me, that is, um, it's, it's just unspeakable. And it's unbelievable in the century, in the, in the environment, in the world that we are living in today. And that is my, that is my mission in life that I want to open a school that will benefit these children from the refugee camp. Um, so having that idea, having that mission in my mind, the next thing that, the next step that I took was I came home and I was looking for a uh, community to, to, to participate and to volunteer. So I went online searching and volunteer aboard has always been my passion. I always wanted to, not just go and visit a place and just have fun. I want to actually bring some impact into that society. So I was looking around and I found this place. Um, they would take volunteer. I found this school. They would actually take volunteer. And the same time I get to see Angkor Wat. Um, I get to visit Angkor Wat. So that's like killing two birds with one stone. Why not? So I broke myself a ticket to fly myself uh, alone to Cambodia. And I volunteer at that school for two weeks. I taught children uh, English um, from uh, elementary school all the way to uh, junior high school, or they don't have junior high school. What they have was a training school, a skill school, where they teach these uh, Cambodians children, young adults, to how to be 
employees working at a hotel become service. Um, some of them actually became a chef. And, and I remember during the break time, you know, the, the students uh, who are being trained as a chef, they would make us these uh, uh, little um, desserts and they would, they would serve the volunteer. And it was just so much fun. And just watching the children smile and running around in the schoolyard, it just really brings a lot of joy. It makes life very meaningful. And, and anyone can do this. And a lot of times, you know, I tell, I tell my friend, if you're going to travel, make it a, a meaningful travel. Don't just go and spend some money and, you know, you come home and you feel great about it. And that was the end of it. No, go and do something. Make an impact. You never know how much of your $20 is going to help another person in their life. So do that instead of just blindly spending, spending your money. So I, that, that's something I did um, in Cambodia. And I did get to see Angawa. It was rainy, rainy season. They had monsoon season. So during the monsoon season, these um, school, they're really not, they don't have a lot of good um, um, water system. So they get flood all the time. So during the monsoon season, the school got flooded. And I had a picture, um, people who visit my Facebook, um, they can actually add me as friend. And there's a, a picture of me standing in the middle of the school, um, soaked in water with my crutch on the side and there's kids in the back. And so it was just, it, it, it's fun to talk about it, to see, take a picture and to laugh about it later. But, you know, if you think about what the students and what the, what the children are going through, they're, they're used to it. They're running around barefoot and soaking water. But, you know, it, it's unimaginable to, to know that these children have to live in these type of condition 24 seven, every time they go to school. When they're in the class, they're soaking water. Um, so it's just, it's heartbreaking. At the same time, I had a great experience coming out of it. Um, coming home after the Cambodia trip, I wanted to bring it a little further. And that little step was I decided to look around in my community and see if there's any organization that have the same mission, that have the same goal that I can go and volunteer at. Um, and luckily there is one, and I know this, this is, um, so the organization that I decided to volunteer for, they are actually, were actually a grassroots of United Nation, and we're the closest thing that we can get to um, UN on a community level. So uh, the organization that I belong to is called United Nation Association, and I belong to the Pasadena chapter but we have many different chapters throughout the United States and different community. Um, so those listeners who's interested in participating or volunteer, look into your local community. Um, there, there should be one in almost every state. It's called United Nation Association and you, you should have a chapter within your state. And the mission of, of the UNA we call it UNA for, for sure, for United Nations Association. The mission of UNA is really to further the mission of UN. And a lot of these um, affiliated nonprofit organizations, um, particularly the UNICEF is big on education for children and you know, providing foundings for 
um, kids in in the Middle East, everywhere in the world, Hades, any any places that you can imagine, uh, Cambodia. There's also um, Myanmar, where the the hot spot was um, in the Asian Asian uh, community. There was a huge uh, massacre in Myanmar. Um, so there's a lot of things that the UNA, UN and UNA is doing. And I'm just really proud to be taking part and being able to volunteer my time to work for them um, because it's really in alignment to what I want to do per, in my personal mission. So everything just comes in, in a line. Absolutely. I just got a couple of more questions for you. I know that you are also a photographer. So what was the most prettiest or exotic pictures that you have ever taken across the world that you will always cherish forever? I, I won't say that it's, um, I think the exotic word, uh, exotic, the word exotic, it, it's, I would call my, my photography more a down to earth type of photography. So I really enjoy taking black and white color um, photography. And I also love street photography. And there's different photography um, that people take. And there's these elaborated, beautiful, color radiant um, photo that you see on the wall. And there's other that really speaks to who we truly are as human. And one of the things I really enjoy about street photography is it allows me to capture these single moment of a person's life. And that single moment, it could be sadness, it could be happiness, it could be that, that excitement. And one of the most memorable picture that I took, it was actually here in Santa Monica, where I live in Los Angeles. So it's really close to go to Santa Monica. So I usually bring my big, big camera to Santa Monica and take picture. One of the pictures I took was underneath the, uh, the, the boardwalk. I got underneath, I walked, um, I was still using two crutches and walking through sand. It was a struggle. It was uh, <laughs> very difficult. I have good upper body uh, strength. So I pushed, uh, walked under the bro walk and there was a woman um, standing on the side and she was just enjoying the water. So I took a picture of her and her friend on the back and it was a silhouette and it was in black and white. I always love to share that photo because it captures a lot of different elements that speaks life. Life is dark sometimes, but life also has light. And without the, light, the darkness, you won't see the light. And without the light, you won't see the darkness. And she was standing in the middle of the of the picture and she was enjoying it. She was embracing it. And that is my favorite picture. And I always have it in my album and I shared it a couple of times. And every time I need to remind myself that, hey, you know, you came a long journey. I go back to that photo and, and that photo will remind me that, you know, life is what you make of it. And, and depending on what you make of it, you would have different perceptions, you would have different outcome, you have different results. So how do you want to make your life happen? 
and most of the time, you know, the answer is always positive. It's always, yeah, you know, I've done this a couple of times. I can do it again. Do you have any final advice for the listeners before we close it out? Any tips that you would like to leave, life advice, anything like that? Because I know you love coaching. <laughs> I do love coaching. <laughs> this, is, um, this is my passion. I think the only word that I would leave the listener with is the word brave. Um, just be brave. There's going to be a lot of things, a lot of challenges in our life um, that's going to come up and it's always going to show up. But remember how you took your first step when you were little. Remember how you felt out of your bike and got onto it and tried it again. And remember how you failed your first um, driving test, but you decided to take it again. You kept doing it. You kept showing up for yourself because you know if you try it again, it's going to happen. If you fail, you tried it again. So in the world that you can be anything at all, and most people would tell, tell you, just be kind. But what I want people to walk away with is that in the world, you can be anything and everything. Be brave. Just be brave and put yourself out there and try it again and again and again. Go ahead and throw out the contact information, your full contact information so people can connect with you on social media and also give out that website again. Yeah. So my website is at elevatelifecoaching.org. And people can connect with me on Instagram at Elevate Life Coach or on my Facebook. It's at Life Coaching by Elevate. And they can also add me and find me in my group. Um, yeah, I just there's just so many ways to connect with me. Absolutely. And I will put your website in the show notes. Ladies and gentlemen, Michelle Quay. Michelle, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. I had fun. And listeners, please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review if you love this episode. For more information on the Living the Dream podcast, visit www.djcurveball.com. Until next time, stay focused on living the dream. dream.